Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright, and we'd like to welcome back for the second time, Ed Coyne, Senior Managing Director of Sprott Asset Management. They are a global alternative asset manager focused on precious metals and real assets. He speaks to us from their headquarters in New York. Ed, welcome back to Strategic Investor Radio. Charlie, uh, thanks for having me, and happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody on the uh, on the call today. Hey, Ed, uh, thanks so much. I've got a quick St. Patrick's story for you. Uh, it's not a story. It's just a one-liner, and that is God created alcohol so that the Irish could not rule the world. <laughs> I like it. And they probably would otherwise. So, Ed, you've got an interesting background you are you came out of University of Missouri as an architect and you worked for several years as an architect and somehow had the inkling and, and itch and desire to get in the world of asset management. And so you did and uh, you worked for Royce Funds, Wide Mutual Funds, Newberger Berman and others and now uh, for many years have been at Sprott. So tell us, as we begin here, what attracted and kept you in the world of investments? Sure. Uh, you know, need is the mother of invention. And um, as interesting as being an architect is, unless you're really good, it doesn't really pay the bills. And, you know, it's a hard thing to uh, accept. But at some point, you realize you're not really that great at something. And so you look, you look elsewhere as a way to better your life. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, that's the hard reality of it. And so what I started doing was I started looking around at a very young age. I was in my mid-20s, just out of school, and I found my way into the asset management business and started off actually with an institutional money market firm and spent a lot of time with the more senior sales guys and thought, gee, these guys have a pretty good life, and it doesn't seem like they're working all that hard. Come to find out, it's a very hard job, but it's a job that's quite fun and very rewarding. And so I sort of made the switch, a natural switch, which um, – I would argue actually having an architect or design type of background has allowed me to flourish in this uh, in the asset management business because I, I view problems and solutions a bit differently than a lot of my peers that came from a traditional business background. Uh, so I've been doing you know asset management for close to three decades now, uh, mostly been a value manager, uh, small cap equity value type of uh, manager, worked for small cap shops. But um, I found my way into the precious metals market over uh, about a half a decade ago. It's kind of the ultimate value trade, frankly, uh, in late 2015, early 16. And I uh, haven't looked back. Sprott's been a wonderful place to be culturally. And the assets really uh, attracted a lot of attention here the last couple of years. So it's been, a, uh, it's been a wonderful move for me personally. Okay. Well, glad to hear that, Ed. Uh, tell us, give us a 30-second uh a rendition of Sprott Asset Management. Sure. You know, as you said, Charlie, uh, Sprott mm -hmm. is a global asset manager. Uh, we have over $17 billion in assets under management. Um, and we provide clients with unique access to a full menu of precious metal solutions. Uh, we have over $12 billion in assets 
just in our physical bullion trusts. So we allow clients uh, access to uh, direct allocations to physical gold, uh, physical silver, a combination of gold and silver in a single trust, as well as platinum and palladium. So we have a really unique structure there. Um, we also have a full suite or menu of equity solutions. We have a, uh, a large cap senior mining ETF, and we have a small cap junior mining ETF, as well as our flagship um, Sprott Gold Equity Fund managed by John Hathaway and Doug Groh, um, giving clients access to the mining space. So we have multiple ways to uh, allocate capital to the miners as well as the physical market. And then for the institutions and high net worth individuals out there, we offer private equity as well as private debt solutions uh, into the mining space. So at Sprott, we really advise and, and consult investors on how to think about the precious metals trade or allocation, whether it's the physical market, the equity market, or the debt market. So we have a, we're have a full solution firm within precious metals with over three decades of experience. Okay, Ed, so let's focus on two things today. First is why sh someone should own gold in some fashion. Uh, and you can, you're welcome to bring in silver there. Sure. Uh, and then number two, let's spend more time on how to own it. Should, should it be... Uh, senior or junior gold miners should it be in uh you know uh, in gold bars under our bed an etf uh, and the like so so give us first of all in 30 seconds or so your your best shot and why someone should own gold in some fashion the case for gold is really quite simple it's really a diversification tool you know if you think about gold um, from a from an investment standpoint you know, two or three decades ago, it was very difficult to do. You had to go obtain it. There was a huge premium to buy it. Then you had the, the problem with storing it and so forth. Today, with ETFs, mutual funds, closed-end funds, all these other solutions out there, um, gold has worked its way from the commodity basket into the true alternative asset basket. So the simplest way to think about gold is really as an alternative asset to traditional stocks and bonds. And I always tell investors, you know, before you go into a two and 20 or one in 10 complicated and sometimes illiquid hedge fund strategy, think about allocating a portion of your portfolio to precious metals and look at the overall performance patterns of precious metals over multiple market cycles. It's one of the better diversifiers out there that's low cost and liquid. So it's a very simple way to put, you know, 5%, 10% of your portfolio into an asset that has a long-term track record that's easy to understand as far as what it actually is. Um, and it allows you to not replace your stocks and bonds, but enhance your allocation to your stocks and bonds, knowing you have a portion of your portfolio and something that has historically performed different at different times for different reasons. So it's a pure, simple, liquid diversification tool within a portfolio. That's the, that's the simplest way to think about it. Okay, so Ed, uh, tell us, what do you think that you understand about investing in gold that so many investors and their advisors do not understand? Sure. I think, I think the biggest one is how to apply it. You know, what is it? What do I do with it? Am, am I going to go buy some coins and walk around with them in my pocket? Am I going to buy some bars and put it in the foundation of my house? You know, uh, you know what purpose is that going to serve? And if you think about gold today, as I mentioned, you know, it's really moved into that modern era of investing. And so it really is just nothing more than a simple diversification tool. And because all these sophisticated products have come out now, investors have a much easier uh, go of it as far as how to allocate to the space. You know, 
sort of self-serving on our part, but, you know, I think, or I believe Sprott has really the best way to do it on the physical side. Um, we created this suite or family of trust that allow investors to own the physical metal directly. It trades on the New York Stock Exchange, so it's liquid. Um, they can take physical delivery of it if they see fit, but they, they typically don't. And because it's structured in a trust uh, package, it's, it's established as a passive foreign investment company or a PFIC because the physical gold is actually stored at the Canadian Crown Mint up in, uh, up in Ontario. Because of that, that structure, uh, it has a tax advantage for U.S. investors. So uh, that potential tax advantage um, is that it gets, it gets taxed as an asset, not as a collectible. So if you own bars, you own coins, and you realize a long-term capital gain on that, you're on the hook for a collectible tax of 28%. If you own our trust, you still own the physical metal, but now in a liquid way, and you realize a long-term capital gain, you're going to pay 15 or 20% on that long-term capital gain, depending on your, your tax filing status. So uh, that's really, in my mind, a, a very eloquent, simple solution to A, diversify your portfolio, and then B, is a very simple, liquid way to own the metal within your portfolio. So now you can see it on your statement, whether you, whether you clear through one of the discount brokerage firms or you have a financial advisor or you use one of the large uh, brokerage firms out there, they can buy this trust and hold it on their balance sheet and you can see it as part of your overall diversified portfolio. So uh, it's really become a, a modern metal as it relates to how to allocate and how to use it, whether you're talking about gold or silver. Well, it's interesting that uh, the tax rates you mentioned, those are today. That's right. <laughs> Who knows where they're going? That's and, right. Uh, long article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal yesterday said the new administration's trying to figure out how they're going to pay for this one point nine trillion, and as as well as the two plus trillion that was passed earlier. And one of the uh, methods is to raise taxes. And that's not the first time that subject has come up. So yeah. that that, in, that increase could be much bigger later. Uh, the, the last question on, on this, why should someone own gold? Uh, I noticed that gold peaked about last August that's and right. seems to be down about 17% right now. Now, I have heard over the years various ways to compare gold and silver and and other things and of course we we all have our charts and ways to look at where gold is today where it's likely to go do you have a case of why today's a good time to buy gold even though it's down or sure. because and, it's down yeah and this, this goes back to uh something i talk a lot about which is how to make a non-productive asset productive if you think about what gold is right let's let's be clear it's a yellow rock that you buy and you sit on a shelf what does it do it doesn't have earnings doesn't pay a dividend Right. It doesn't really do anything. So the only way to make it productive is to manage that allocation. So price fluctuation is critically important to the overall value of precious metals over time. You need it to go up and to go down over cycles. So what I say to people is pick your allocation and stick to that allocation over multiple cycles, meaning you have to rebalance it. So if last year you would have been a net seller of gold to get it back down to your stated allocation, this year, if the, if the year ended right now, you know, the S&P is up close to 5% and gold's off about 8 or 9%. You would actually be adding to your allocation. And if you do that over multiple market cycles, it will be one of your better performing assets from a diversification standpoint. So that's, you know, what, what we would say is in, in a sell-off period like this, if, you're, if you have new capital going to the market, 
you know, you've just been given a window of opportunity to allocate to a very valuable asset that has a history of, of proving true diversification over multiple market cycles. You have a window to buy it at a discount right now or buy it at a lower multiple than it was trading at six months ago. Right. Conversely, if you've owned it for a couple of years and it's had a bit of a run up, you have the opportunity to realize some of that gain and get it back down to your stated allocation. The biggest risk an investor can make in the gold trade is to fall in love with the asset. And what I mean by that is when gold is working, like you saw this time last year or, you know, call it April, May of last year, when the market was really, you know, providing a lot of pain for everyone included, you know, including myself, um, gold was doing really well. And you feel like you're the smartest person in the room when that happens. You tend to double <laughs> down on it. That's the worst thing you can do because gold, like a lot of assets, can be volatile. And there is a supply demand. There is a bid ask spread to gold like anything else. And so you have to be disciplined about your allocation. If you choose a 3% allocation or a 5% allocation, whatever that number is, unless your personal financial situation has changed, you have to be disciplined enough to stick to that. And if you do that again, and you rebalance that on an annualized basis or quarterly, depending on the tax sensitivity of, of your account, you'll find gold to be a wonderful diversifier in your portfolio. And let's be clear, gold is not there to make you rich. Gold is there to allow you to stay invested in your other risk-on assets like stocks, uh, like uh, you know, a hedge fund or, or, or like a, a special you know, type of investment vehicle out there. Gold is allowing you to stay invested in more opportunistic investments because you know you've balanced out your portfolio with a diversifier like gold. So that's really that's really what I want listeners to take away from this is that don't buy gold because you think you're going to become a millionaire off of gold. There's you know gold is filled uh, with a lot of very wealthy people and a lot of people hanging on by a, by their fingernails. There's not a lot of middle class in the gold trade because they fall in love with it. So allow it to do what it's going to do over multiple market cycles. Embrace these sell offs. Evaluate where your weighting is in the portfolio, and over time, it, it serves as a nice balance or a nice buffer in your portfolio and allows you to stay invested in those more risk-on type of assets. Yeah, those are great points there. So let's now move to point number two, and that is, as you have mentioned several times in the last few minutes, there are now various ways to own gold that really either didn't exist or weren't very popular in the past. So talk to us about how an investor can own gold. Sure, sure. So the simplest way, obviously, is to own a coin and put it in your sock drawer or own a bar. And, you know, I joke, but people have done this, put it, you know, the bars in the foundation of their house. I mean, that that was the old kind of way. Unless you were a large institution or an endowment or a university, it was very difficult to own a meaningful scale of gold. If you had a million dollar portfolio and you wanted to be 5% of your portfolio, you know, 50,000 worth of gold coins or or uh, or a uh, of gold bars or um, it's very difficult and you got to store it and you got to worry about security and so forth. Today you've got ETFs, you have mutual funds, you have closed end funds, you have a lot of different avenues out there and a lot of different solutions out there. And it really comes down to the investor that wants to get exposure to spot price through an ETF or have physical ownership of the gold through what we offer, which is a trust. So one's not better than the other. But a lot of our investors that we deal with, they want the physical ownership. They want to have a portion of their portfolio outside the traditional markets. And that's a critical component, particularly for the high net worth individual out there that has really trying to diversify their portfolio and are more concerned with asset preservation than they are with appreciation. That's a critical uh, distinction. 
as ownership versus simply participating in spot price. But today, with all these different solutions out there, um, there's really no reason to not allocate to gold um, for lack of options or lack of solutions. You know, if you don't believe in the trade, that's a different that's a different conversation. But you shouldn't be you shouldn't be scared by the trade or threatened by the trade or confused by it uh, because there's many firms out there. We're just one of these firms that offers very low cost liquid ways to own the physical metal now and help it be a, a, a balance or help it to be a benefit in your portfolio. Okay, so uh, so today, what percentage? Let's say was brought just uh, to get a feel for it. Somebody can invest in gold miners. Do most people do that now or do most people still buy the ETF? Cannot understand anyone in today's world sure. buying physical gold, coins or pars or anything else. Right. But, but what, what, what is popular today and what kind of makes sense? Well, I'll tell you what's really popular is our physical trust. So by way of example, um, if the last, you know, in the last month or two, if you've, you've sort of followed the precious metals news, there's been a lot to be made about the short squeeze on silver. And because we own physical silver, we, we've seen north of a billion dollars come into our trust just in the last month. And wow. some of our peers uh, out there who don't actually have a full ownership of the metal that use paper contracts and so forth, they've experienced outflows. And I think that's interesting to note because we're seeing the investor circle and the sophistication level of the investor circle start to expand and understand the importance of actual ownership. Um, and I think that's an important component because it's that's true diversification within your portfolio to go above and beyond paper contracts and have actual physical ownership. Um, so I think that's an important thing, uh, an important distinction to make. You know, we're as I mentioned, we're a seventeen billion dollar firm, and twelve of that seventeen billion are in our physical trust. If you go back just five years ago, that was like a billion five to two billion. So we've had a huge increase of investors that understand not only the tax advantage of our vehicle, but also the ownership component of owning the physical metal versus simply just participating in the spot price. And that's that's something that we think is going to continue. What we're seeing is the retail let me investor. Let sure. me interrupt you for just a minute while we're on that subject here, Ed. Now, when you talk about physical, you're not talking about possession, you're talking about ownership, correct? We're, we're talking about ownership. That's exactly right. So when a dollar comes into our trust, we have traders on our desk that are acquiring physical bars at the same time. So it's a one-to-one -one type of ownership structure where we're using zero paper contracts. It's fully allocated to the client through our trust. And that's, that's probably the most unique thing that we offer that really sets us apart from our peers out there is that one-to-one -one ownership. So um, you... So, so you possess it, though. The, 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 we, the client doesn't possess the gold. Correct. Possession is actually held at the Canadian Crown Mint. So it's outside the U.S. market and it's outside the traditional financial system. So they own the physical bars. They take physical delivery of the bars on behalf of our shareholders. And those shareholders can go on our website. They can look at the, the fully allocated bar count on the website. If they meet the minimum requirements, which is relatively large, it's over half a million dollars for gold and you know, a couple hundred thousand for silver, they meet that requirement. They could, if they chose to, they could actually have that physical metal sent to their residence. Um, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a layered process and it, it can happen once a month. Like I said, you know, rarely do we see a client actually do that, 
But the idea that they do, that they can do that is important. It's like living in New York City and saying, I like the idea that I can go to Broadway. I don't really go very often, but I like the idea that I can. It's kind of the same thing with this. They own the, the, the physical metal through our trust. We created this trust, allowed direct ownership. And not only is that uh, the most valuable part of it, it also is securitized, meaning it trades on the New York Stock Exchange. So it's also liquid. They can trade a portion of their trust and settle that for cash. They could take physical delivery or they could just simply own it and have it be part of their portfolio. So it's a very okay. sophisticated uh, vehicle uh, as a way to own the physical metal through a secure trust and be liquid on the New York Stock Exchange. So maybe you could compare for just a minute gold versus silver. Sure. If you think about gold, uh, gold is still kind of the traditional monetary metal. You think about how central banks use it. They use it as a backstop to their fiat currencies. Remember, fiat currencies are nothing more than a promise to pay, right? So right. Fiat, you know, fiat comes from the Greek term because we say it's so. So a dollar bill is worth a dollar because we say it's worth a dollar, right? That's, you know, that's what a fiat, that's what fiat actually means. So fiat currency is nothing more than a promise to pay. And so when uh, you think about what gold is, gold is a tangible, hard version of a of a currency it's not a fiat currency it's a real currency if you think about historically how gold served in our economy and so central banks still use as a way to backstop their printed paper currencies um you know institutions use it as is a way to, to backstop their portfolios it's a hard asset that has a tangible value you know um gold prices go up and go down but they've never gone to zero um, securities go to zero all the time so you know those are the kinds of things that we, we get people to think about Silver, on the other hand, is more of a commodity. You know, of course, gold's a commodity. We dig it out of the ground. It's treated as a commodity. But as far as how it's viewed, how it's used, it's more of a currency. It's more of an alternative asset. Silver, on the other hand, is kind of a hybrid. It's more of a commodity in that it's used for autonomous driving cars, the reflective technology. It's used for solar panels, cell phones, TVs. All these things that, that silver is being used for, um, we think actually silver could do quite well in this current environment. It was, you know, over the last 12 months, it's up over 50%, close to 60%. Um, you know, we think that's going to continue to happen because as technology continues to advance, the need for silver continues to grow, yet the supply of silver hasn't really changed much. So you get this supply demand squeeze and things like silver, platinum, palladium, things that are used in an industrial nature, the demand for those things are going up. Um, and silver is one of those things that I think is very interesting right now. Um, it has a different personality than gold. Gold is your traditional monetary metal. Silver is more of a hybrid metal or more of a true commodity metal. Okay, and how about the relationship between the two? When people come in, do you guys like to put them into some of both or uh, do you just let it totally up to them uh, what, what's your guys kind of the style in recommending silver with gold sure not? well i like to try to understand when, I, when we talk to a client you know all of our all of our sales reps we really call them senior investment consultants because we're not really selling anything we're simply advising on how to think about the space and so i like to understand first and foremost the why behind you know why are you allocating precious metals what brought you to this solution. You know, hopefully it's not me just selling it to you. You came to a, you know, a solution on why you want to allocate to the space. And the why is very important. So if they're simply looking for a way to buffer their portfolio, we tend to gravitate more towards physical gold. If they're looking for a way to be more opportunistic about their portfolio, 
Then we'll bring some more silver into the conversation. We'll talk about the miners as more of a risk on allocation, and we'll have a more uh, diversified approach to precious metals. So the why behind your precious metals allocation is critical. So hel helping us understand why you're allocating to the space will dictate how we help you allocate or advise how to allocate within precious metals. Big institutions may only do our private lending because they want exposure, but they need income. So the private lending solution might be appropriate for a large institution. Um, so it just really depends on the why as far as how we get them to one allocation versus another. Um, we offer a trust that gives you pure gold. We offer a trust that gives you pure silver. We offer a trust that gives you both. Um, it gives you a combination of both gold and silver in one allocation for those clients that want a bit of both. So we have solutions for, for basically those those answers. But again, it goes back to why are you doing it to begin with? Let's let's understand that first before we go down the path of how you should allocate. Okay, j just quickly, tell us a little more about the private lending thing that you just mentioned. I, maybe I missed that earlier. Here. Sure. So private lending is, is, is pretty, it's basically a merchant bank type of environment where we mostly deal with private families and large institutions because the minimum is around $10 million to allocate to it. So most investors out there don't have $10 million to allocate to a private lending strategy. Um, and if they do, I'd like to talk to them. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but it's a lot of big institutions, universities, and so forth, where they need an income stream. So what we do is we take their capital, and then we have an entire team of geologists out there and investment bankers out there looking for products, our projects to lend to. Typically, we're lending capital to mid to small cap mining companies, sub $100 million loans for, uh, for operating leverage. We're not interested in loaning money for financial leverage. We don't want to give you money just so you can survive. We want to give you money so you can thrive and grow your business. And so they may need to you know, buy new trucks or, or build a new mine or whatever the case may be for that capital. We'll go and we'll understand that need. We'll securitize it by the physical metal in the ground. So securitized debt. And because banks and large institutions aren't doing sub hundred million dollar loans, we get high yield for this private lending. So we're getting, you know, yields in the eight to 10% range right now. Some cases, 12% range, depending on the type of mind and asset we're talking about. Plus we get equity kickers and warrants on top of it. So it's a very sophisticated product, typically has a four to seven year lockup and it's an income stream. And then after those four to seven years, you get your return of capital plus the income you've, you've received um, on the private lending fund. So it's produced double digit returns. Um, we've had a couple workouts, but we've never had a zero in our portfolio um, because we do a lot of due diligence. Um, we get a lot of our debt uh, refinanced after year two or three because the market knows that Sprott is really the, the, the senior most uh, firm out there as far as the level of quality we have from an analyst standpoint, from a, uh, from a mining expert standpoint, from a geologist standpoint. We do our homework, we do our work, to understand the value of this underlying mine before we before we loan them that capital, so that's a that's a very unique, interesting product. Having said that, we do have an evergreen lending fund which has a lower threshold of a couple hundred thousand. So for the investor out there that is interested in private lending, we, we would certainly be able to have a conversation, you know, with an allocation of a couple hundred thousand into lending solution. So that's just another way to think about an allocation to precious metals is on the debt side of the equation, which we uh, we do quite a nice job with. You know, I don't think the word static is used very often at Sprott. You guys are very ambitious here in bringing things about. Ed, we could talk all day about this. Wish we could. Unfortunately, we can't. One final question here before we, we begin to close. I read all the time in the financial um, press that uh, Bitcoin 
is a better investment for that than gold for the reasons you've been talking about here. Right. Uh, right. Well, well, what's your response to that? Sure. Uh, there's a positive and a negative. I think the positive is that Bitcoin has introduced an entire new audience or new generation to the value of allocating portion of your capital outside of traditional markets. And that's been a huge boom for the precious metals trade. Um, we, our investor base has gotten younger and more sophisticated in the last five years. I think largely because of Bitcoin. If you think about cryptocurrencies in general, you know, the Bitcoins of the world, and remember Bitcoin's only one of thousands of cryptocurrencies. They, they liken themselves or compare themselves to gold. So they were basically promoting gold, you know, for us, which was wonderful. A lot of people became clients of, of precious metals because of cryptocurrencies. And at one point, you were even hearing Litecoin was the silver, which really, if you think about it, made no sense at all. But it was just a smaller version of Bitcoin, so they called it silver. Uh, kind of crazy. But the difference is, is that cryptocurrencies are limited by the laws of math. Right. It's a it's a it's an algorithm. It's a calculation. It's not truly limited supply. You can fork those crypto cryptocurrencies. You can create a new cryptocurrency. So it's really a risk on type of trade. It's not a true store of value. Um, yes, it's limited in its supply to some degree. But physical gold, physical silver, those are limited by the, the by the laws of science. There's only so much of it in the ground. The value is there. The need is there from a commodity standpoint, as well as from an asset standpoint or from a currency standpoint. So when you're talking about physical metal, gold, silver, platinum, palladium, you name it, that's very different than a cryptocurrency. A cryptocurrency is really a settlement application, right? It's really something that you can use to buy something. Frankly, cryptocurrencies would be more akin to a digital version of the U.S. dollar. It's a, it's a more advanced, sophisticated fiat currency. It's made up, um, and it's, it's supply is limited by design, but it's, not, it's really another, it's another currency, another payment system. Um, so that actually, I, I would say that, or we would say as a firm, that the physical metal market is very different than the crypto market. What I would say, though, is the crypto market probably competes more directly with cannabis-type stocks, gold mining stocks, anything that's a true risk on allocation. We can all agree that gold miners are very volatile. That's a risk on trade where physical gold is a risk off trade, right? Those are two different kinds of allocations. I would put the cryptocurrency allocation, the Bitcoin allocation, not in the store of value physical side of the market, but more in the risk on side of the market. So if I were going to compare cryptocurrency to anything, I would compare it to the miners, not to the physical market. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. So, Ed, uh, where can our listener, our listeners, go if they want to know more about investing in gold, silver, or Sprott Asset Management? Sure, you can either visit us at Sprott.com, which is S-P-R-O-T-T.com. We we are updating our website every day with white papers, uh, news articles. We're really trying to be the voice of the precious metals market. So that's that's probably the number one place I would recommend people going is to Sprott.com. For those that want to have a deeper dive into their allocation and understand more about uh, what we do and how we do it, you could also reach out uh, to our 888 number and speak with one of our senior investment consultants. Um, and that number is 888-622-1813. And you could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one of our investment consultants and talk about how to think about the allocation and what it means for you and your portfolio. Okay, and Ed, we, we are out of time, but one last quick question. 
lithium is taking off, batteries require it, and rare earth metals are owned primarily in China. And, you know, people are recognizing the need for those, uh, for new technology, et cetera. Are you guys involved in those kinds of metals as well? We are from a mining standpoint, less so from a physical standpoint. It's very hard to source and to get any kind of meaningful size from a liquidity standpoint, from a profitability standpoint as a business. So it's going to probably remain more in the true commodity side. Having said that, we do invest in and own companies that are mining those metals all the time. So, you know, you always, I always have to remind investors that a gold miner can also, at that same mine, be pulling other metals out of the ground, whether it's silver, copper, you name it. So we out, we have access to those those parts of the market through the mining space, less, th less so through the physical space. Okay. Well, thank you very much. So you got uh, 15 seconds for your final words here, Ed. Sure. I will, I'll leave you with something kind of fun. Um, instead of something insightful, a little bit more fun, and that is um, uh, ratios. So for those that have invested in gold, or silver in the past, they're probably familiar with the gold to silver ratio, which currently is standing at about 66, 67, which effectively means 66 or 67 ounces of, of silver can buy an ounce of gold. People don't really use that anymore like they used to, but it's just an, an idea or a guide to think about the value of one metal versus the other. Uh, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, uh, one of our partners out there, uh, Incrementum, uh, they were kind enough to share a chart with us, and it's the uh, gold to uh, pints of Guinness ratio. And at the current prices, uh, we're sitting at about 300 pints of Guinness for every one ounce of gold. So it would be fun for me to walk into a bar today with a single uh, one ounce gold coin and see if I could buy the entire bar a pint of Guinness. My suspicion is it probably wouldn't let me do that, but I could if I really wanted to. Hey, thank you very much. Well, on St. Patrick's Day, that, that's kind of the perfect story here. So thank you very much. Well, Ed, this has been fascinating, very enlightening. Uh, and, and we really appreciate your knowledge, your glibness, and your willingness to join us here today and uh, offer our best wishes for your and Sprott's continued uh, success in the precious metals, gold, silver marketplace, etc. So thank you again for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Charlie. I enjoyed it. So you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio and OC Talk Radio. We'd love to hear from you at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. You can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. <laughs>